for the glory of God. All right. John chapter 19. Amen. This morning, I want you to go to John chapter 19. And we're going to look at verse 19 through 22, um, but mainly verse number 19. And uh, then as a placeholder, uh, another foundation text will be Mark 16, verse 5 through 6. Okay, so John chapter 19, verse 19 through 22. And then John, or, 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 or rather Mark 19, 19 through 22, then then Mark 16, excuse me, 5 through 6. Let's do that one more time. John chapter 19, 19 through 22, and Mark chapter 16, verse 5 through 6, and then we'll find accentuating verses from there. But my foundation verse is, is seen in one verse over in John 19 and 19, and this is as Jesus is hanging on the cross to be hung on the cross and carrying out the cross bible says now pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross this is so insightful what is on your cross what does your cross represent what is your cross named because in this verse pilate wrote a title and put it on Jesus's cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews I want to on this resurrection Sunday teach preach however it comes out amen from the thought Jesus of Nazareth put a colon there and I want to talk about you're looking for the wrong man Jesus of Nazareth, you're looking for the wrong man. That'll make more sense as we go. But in this storyline, as you would know, there, there is the cross of Calvary and Jesus and him having been scourged and now at the place of dying for us. And there's a key player in the death of Jesus, and you heard a little bit about him earlier. Amen. When he had to check in and see if Jesus was dead yet. And he sort of sets up again here in this space, Pilate, who was a government official during that time. And Pilate's job was to carry out the wishes and the desires of the people. And you all know the storyline. They, instead of uh, wanting Jesus off of the hook, or in other words, being released from his prison sentence, they asked for Barabbas, um, who was a known criminal. Uh, they prefer him over Jesus. That sounds much like today, don't it? Yeah. Amen. People prefer something other than Jesus. But the Bible records that when Pilate put him on the cross, he put a writing on the cross, and this is a crucial catch because if you know anything about Pastor Rogers' ministry, I tell you, every word in Scripture means something. Nothing is by accident. They didn't just write this just to write it. It is here for a revelation purpose. And the word says, Pam, Jesus, not of Capernaum, which is where he ultimately set up shop and had his headquarter ministries. Didn't say Jesus of any of the other places and spaces by which he would have been highly successful in travail. 
The Bible says, Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> which is crucial to understanding the power of the cross. Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus' birthplace, the place where Jesus was from, the place of his boyhood. Jesus of Nazareth was the place of Jesus' origination. And he was later referred to as the king of the Jews. Now, the story gets richer and richer because Jewish pride kicks in. And I love my Jewish brothers and sisters, but we see Jewish pride kick in in verse number 20 when the Bible goes on and says, Then many of the Jews read this title. What title? Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. They read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. That's what I love about the gospel. Amen. It's written in a way in which everybody can understand it. He always puts it on everybody's level. He, he, he didn't just uh, put it in Latin, didn't just put it in uh, uh, Hebrew, didn't just put it in Greek, would have been symbolic of those of us who were Gentiles, now born again. He put it, he put it in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin for all languages to understand it. You know, Jesus would often say stuff like, suffer the kids to come to me and forbid them not. He was a genius at speaking on a childlike level so that people understood it, and I want to do the same today. And this inscription said, Jesus of Nazareth in multiple languages. Therefore, the chief priest, Jewish pride, of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews. In other words, we don't want to be associated with him. We don't want, when people see this gory, rugged cross, them to associate the man on this cross as having been a Jew, a Hebrew, one of our brothers, one of our kins. And so we're asking you, Governor Pilate, if you would not write that, on that tablet but instead right he said i'm the king of the jews <laughs> don't don't just put it up there assumptively we're fine with the title you put on jesus but make it something he said about himself much like the church today that would rather dissociate with jesus rather associate and align with the world rather align with some other pagan philosophies and doctrines and ideologies. It's amazing. Uh, many of our churches want to be a nightclub instead of a place where people can be delivered. Uh, amen. We, we want to uh, win folk from the world, but then we want the church to feel like it was when they were in the world. And if I got to have the church feel like the world, I may as well stay. Amen. If the church is going to be a club when I come, I may as well stay in the club. If there, there's no standard, if it doesn't get any better, if I don't have to come out from my sins and be separate and holy, then for what reason would I attend a church on Sunday morning? Amen. But the Bible says to put a difference. The Bible says the church ought to be different. When I got sick of my sins and tired of living a certain kind of way, amen, I didn't go to sinners and say, let's do it again. I went to the church. And I came down to an altar and I said, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? I realize I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And if Jesus don't save me, I'm going to hell. I need a change in my life. I don't want the preacher to sound like the motivational speaker. I want him to preach me out of my sins. Help me to be the man of God that I'm supposed to be. And that was the case with the Jews. They wanted Jesus' identity to be changed. 
Don't just call him the king of Jews. Put on his inscription, he said, I'm the king of Jews. But I love the world, even when the world don't know it. How many of y'all know they got to back God up? Pilate answered and said, now look here, prideful Jews. What I have written, I have written. How many of y'all know can't nobody change God Jehovah and can't nobody change Jesus? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The world has to acknowledge it. Let me put it this way. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And that's what goes on in this text. Jesus of Nazareth. We'll get to Mark 16, 5 through 6, and my culmination. But one of the greatest revelations for a Christian to come into is our identity in Christ. Knowing it and acting on it solves everything in our life. That's a very important revelation if you're writing. The greatest revelation for a Christian. I didn't say a Muslim. I didn't say a Buddhist. I didn't say... Uh, anybody else for that matter, which when you get saved, you do come into that revelation. Amen. But the greatest revelation for a Christian to come into is our identity in Christ. And knowing this, y'all, solves everything. I want you to go to John 146. Y'all, we'll come to Mark 16, 5 in the end, please. But John 146, we're still dealing with this concept, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is not so much a renowned place in Scripture. Again, most of Jesus' greatest miracles and, and, and ministry headquarters would come out of places like Capernaum and other places where he traveled. Uh, Nazareth was not a notable place. And that's why when he was calling his disciples, and he called Nathaniel, and uh, Nathaniel was trying to get his comrade Philip, or rather Philip, was trying to get his comrade Nathan to come and be one of the 12, notice how they referred to Jesus' hometown. Nathan said to Philip after he said, hey, man, you need to come check this guy out. He's got power. He can do a lot of things. Nathan asked a key question. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, what well, all of you should be saying to the devil, come and see Amen. How many of y'all know when they count you out and said you wouldn't be anything? But then you got bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You ought to remind people, not wait, no, come and see. See what the Lord has done. I believe their response would be like the Queen of Sheba. The half hadn't been told. Amen. Of the glory of your splendor and how good God has been in your life. And so in keeping with that idea that Nazareth was not a place of great splendor. In fact, Nazareth was a place of obscurity. If you study it out, uh, Nathaniel was not insulting Nazareth. He, he was basically saying Nazareth is a small town. Nazareth is not a place of great distinction. You know, most tremendous actors and actresses come out of one or two places, Hollywood or New York. You know, people know that's where you find some of the most gifted and talented. In fact, they move and migrate there so that they can be found. Some of the greatest musicians and, and, and artists, amen, of our time, even in the kingdom, believe it or not, come out of Detroit. Amen. You want some singing people. Amen. You find the Winans and the Clark sisters, and the list goes on and on, you know. I think Byron Cage and so many others. They, they all came out of 
out of the Michigan area. And uh, there was one more great one in Charlotte, North Carolina, but we'll talk about him later. Gabe Rogers. Boy, could he play, Brian. He was, whew, you should have seen him in his day. Amen. But they have great musicians even to this day. Amen. I'm being comical. That came out, out of Michigan. And I just want you to, to set you up for where I'm going with this concept of Nazareth. So if you put Nazareth in a place of a town, you will note that if you look Nazareth up, there wasn't much to be found there. Nazareth is, is still today in existence. And one of the only things that people boast in about Nazareth is Joseph's temple, which is still there. Now, Joseph's temple would have been in his day and hour, according to the historians, maybe. They're still researching these things, I'm sure. But it would have been a place of Joseph's carpentry business, amen, down in Nazareth. And that would have been one of the most notable things that Nazareth would have been known for. Let me see if I can put it into you in plainer English. Amen. Today, only 77,000 people live in Nazareth. All right. And some you say, oh, that's a lot of people. No, it's not. Not for a city, uh, a state, or a town. Only 77,000 people live in Nazareth. New York, where my Sekou's and Sakaras are from, has 8.5 million people. Amen. In that state. All right. Uh, and in Charlotte, our city, we have 880 residents. Amen. So Charlotte alone is about eight to nine times, maybe 10 times, the size of Nazareth. Oh, I'm building a case there. I know you like good preaching. It's right up your alley. I'm setting the foundation. I, I want you to see just how insignificant Nazareth was and is. So Nathaniel comes up and asks a very good question. Amen. As we see later in Jesus' career that on his tombstone, you could say on his cross, amen, it was inscripted, Jesus of Nazareth. And in the beginning of his ministry, Nathaniel asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Are y'all getting here with me? Amen. And much like some of you in the church today, you, you don't come from profound beginnings. You don't come from places of great pedigree. Amen. You don't come in some cases from a two-parent home where mom and dad made six plus figures a year and paid your college off before you went, gave you your first car. Oh, I'm helping somebody today. Amen. You had it made from the beginning. Amen. Most of the people that I'm preaching to right now, boy, I feel like working today. Amen. Did not come from those kind of beginnings. Amen. Even if you had both parents, amen, it was still humble beginnings at best. Amen. If you like Pastor Rogers, amen, I'm from a place in America that few people know about. Amen. I'm from Middletown, Connecticut. Middle of what, Pastor? I don't know. That's just the place that I'm from. A little town, not even a city. Amen. Right there near the center of the state of Connecticut is where I'm from, right off of the Connecticut River. And if I thought about who, who came out of Connecticut, there are, as a state, many people of great note that I would rest my hat on. I, I think the, the most recent mayor uh, there in my city, amen, is a descendant of the Florsheen Shoe Company. Amen. And some of y'all are like, oh, that's not interesting. Exactly. Right. Because, uh, amen, Florsheen was some good shoes in his house. Yes, it was. You can get some Florsheen, boy. You can do some stuff. And that family has wealth. Amen. They're doing quite well. But most people are not familiar with uh, Middletown 
Connecticut. And so when I, 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 I linked my own life, Haji, amen, to what was written on Jesus's cross, I, I recognized that uh, if people said, can anything good come out of Nazareth, they also probably said, can anything good come out of Middletown? And I don't know where you're from, amen, maybe from a small town in North Carolina, Southern Pines. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you're from. Maybe, maybe, amen, it doesn't always have to be small. You're from a big city borough called the Bronx uh, or Pittsburgh, the Berg, amen. And uh, amen, even though it's big, don't mean it's good, amen. And uh, <laughs> the question still brings in the bear, can anything... Y'all seeing where I'm going with this this morning? Come out of Nazareth. Somebody say, I think so. And then add, I hope so. (laughs) Amen. Because if nothing good can come from where you're from, amen, then you don't have an assignment on your life. But I brought good news. Just as Jesus came from an obscure place, hallelujah, you came from humble beginnings. You came from a hurt place. You came from a hard place. And yes, something good can come from where you come from because your past is not your present. Somebody shout hallelujah in the house of God. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, let's do a little Bible surfing because so many times we relegate our potential to our beginnings, and that's a mistake. In other words, we limit who we can be, I should say, in God to how we started out. We get all of our identities from who we used to be, where we're from, and I love this for a sinner who's gotten born again, what we used to do, amen, what, what we used to be identified with, amen, the bad decisions we made in life. This is going to help some people who are here on Thursday night who got delivered, amen, and, uh, and, and because you got delivered, amen, you, you don't need to be reflective of all of the painful turmoil in your life because that's over now, amen, that is not who you are. But if you don't watch that devil, he will play that music over and over again. You know, you can't have a baby because you had an abortion in your life. When God's got five more kids assigned to your life. You know, you'll, you'll never get married. You committed adultery at a point in your life. When God's got a wonderful husband and wife for you. I know I got to preach some of y'all out of the dung heap a little bit. Amen. No, you'll never have money. You were a swindler all your life. You lied, still and cheated. You played the lotto. But God says, amen, if you'll come out from among them, if you'll stop, amen, and you'll get in the kingdom of God and you start paying your tithe. Amen. You're no longer up for tax evasion. Amen. Now you're in a place of increase abundance, and overflow. Somebody shout hallelujah about that. And so your humble beginnings don't dictate, amen, your great endings in life. Amen. Over in Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 10. I'm not going to be long today, but Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 10. I like this. The Bible says, uh, amen, in the New Living Translation, just make it real easy for them to understand it. Zechariah 4 and 10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. Oh, help us on Resurrection Sunday. Can anything good come out of a small 70,000 city? But God says through his prophet Zechariah, who, by the way, lived before Jesus and would have been just as prophetic about that moment as he was every other moment when he wrote this scripture. He said, do not despise these small beginnings. And why? 
For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Man, that's good news right there. I don't know where you are, and y'all, I'm going to break this down so that everybody can get something out of it. Your small beginnings might be, you're, you're, you're merely seven and nine years old right now. But do you know that God cares about the child? Amen. Small beginning. That's why we need to value children and raise them up and make them feel good about, amen, Nehemiah, the new watches and their first baptism and all those kinds of things. Because they're small beginnings, but, but this man will one day be somebody's pastor. And somebody's pastor and musician or somebody's husband. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. And parents, for the record, stop telling the kids to be quiet all the time and listen to what they have to say. Amen. And get in their space and let them be a part of good conversations relative to their development. Before we came back out today, this was so good. My mother-in-law and wife and I, we were having breakfast in the conference room and the children joined us as well. My mother-in-law was dropping some good nuggets. My wife was as well. And, and, and then my kids would ask a question here and there about the Bible or something relative to the Bible. And my ears would perk up because I know that their brains are being shaped right now around good doctrine, around the things of God. That's why we value youth ministry. Amen. Because our children are being shaped and made right now. They are figuring out right now whether or not this is just some religious society or something we should actually live in our life. Are y'all getting this? So we ought not despise a day of small beginnings relative to our children, to our youth. But then don't despise a day of small beginnings relative to where you came from in your life, relative to your past, to the foundations of your life, to your mistakes, amen, which is a form of a small beginning which is a form of something that, amen, you at a point may even willingly have participated in. God says, don't despise that. Amen. There are things we should not have done, but don't despise the mistakes. But then don't despise, amen, the things that we didn't have coming up. Yeah. Are you all in here? I talk about how the blessing of the Lord is upon us, but I never talk about that to make somebody who doesn't have feel bad. I talk about that so somebody who doesn't have can know they can have. Are y'all in here? They can know life can get better. I can move, hallelujah, from the projects to a gated community. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, I can drive a Pinto one year and by the next year, somebody shout hallelujah. I'm in a Maybach if I'll honor God, if, I, if I'll do it God's way. Don't despise the day of what kind of beginnings? Small beginnings. Tell your neighbor, start where you are. Pastor, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Do you know one scripture? Do you know for God so loved the world that he gave his only son? You know you can live the rest of your life off of that one verse. You can make it to heaven off of that one verse. You can become rich off of that one verse. You can get married off of, y'all see where I'm going? Off of that one verse. You can have healthy children. How, does, how do I know God wants my children healthy? Because God so loved the world. I was a part of the world. And he gave his only son. And now I'm pregnant and I want healthy babies. God loved the world. So I know since he loved the world, he got to love me. I'm in the family of God. God so loved the world. He wants me to have the best job. God so loves the world. He wants me to have the best house. Start where you are. You don't have to be a theologian. The woman who was at the well was not a theologian. She said, come see a man who told me everything about me. I don't have to know everything about the Bible, about the things of God. But if I'll start where I am, I'll grow to where God is taking me. This is an anointed message if you'll get it. He said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. 
For the Lord does what? Rejoices to see the work begin. Job's friends, amen, were scrutinizing him and uh, Kim. They were, if you will, bringing indictments against him. They, they, they wanted him to, to know, man, if you would just do these things, you would be healed. And how many of y'all know sometimes people got an opinion about something they don't know? <laughs> Amen. They, they got insight on something that they have no insight on. Amen. And that was Joseph's friends for the most part. In fact, Joseph was healed, amen, you know, when he dealt kindly and forgave his friends and things of that nature, as is recorded in Scripture. But one of his friends gave an opinion over in Job 8 and 7, and he didn't know he was going to be preaching to us. Amen. In Job 8 and 7, we see this theme rained out even the more. Everybody say, start where you are. Yeah, you look at, oh, man, I look at men and women of God who are flourishing and doing so well. They seem to be so profound in the anointing. The power of God really uses them. The power of God will really use you. Amen. If you yearn for him, he hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Bible says you, you're going to be filled. Amen. So over in Job 8 and 7, as I lay my foundation, the Bible says, though your beginning was small. Do y'all see that in the same Bible I'm reading? Though your beginning was small, Yet, Rhonda, your latter end would increase abundantly. Oh, that's good news right there. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm tired of working in this cubicle job. I, you know, I'm a cashier right now. I, you know, Pastor, they got me on the front line. You know, I'm on a truck every day, and I, I can't even, I'm not even a supervisor. Well, wait, now, wait, wait, wait. Don't curse it. Oh, I'm going to help somebody on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Don't curse it. Hallelujah. Don't start putting down the one job you have. Oh, hallelujah. Because we learned long ago that gratefulness is still the key to more. Somebody say amen. Amen. My beginning is small right now. I'm making $26,000 a year on this waiter, waitress and wait, waiter job. And pastor, you know, I can make some tips throughout the week. But you know what you ought to do? You ought to serve with a smile. You ought to serve with gladness. Amen. You ought to serve with distinction. Because every day you come to work as that waiter or waitress, you ought to show up saying, somebody could come to this restaurant today that wants to hire me as their personal assistant. I can become an executive assistant just by serving a billionaire the right way. Are y'all in here? So he said, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would greatly increase. I learned long ago there that the kingdom of God is such a rich system. Y'all stay with me. I got to help some people who, who want to be born again or are babes in the Lord. That if you would just obey him, and I want to talk at a higher level today. If you would just obey him at your level, if you would honor God, if you would mend your ways, as Jeremiah says, and say, Father, I give you all my life. I give you all of me. If you would simply honor God, obey him in everything he says, at a point in your Christian journey, your status in every area is going to change. Are you all in here? I said at a point in your Christian journey, your status in how many areas? Every area. No, God, if we honor God, like at a point, I'm sitting next to a wife. Amen. But I'm not only sitting next to a wife, I got money sitting next to a wife. Not assuming you all don't have money because I know you do. Amen. But I'm sitting next to a wife. Girl, I'm sitting next to a husband. Things change in my life. Amen. Things get better in my life. Y'all, at a point, you finally close on the house. <laughs> Hallelujah. At a point, you finally get promoted to a place 
abundantly and in, in an increase and in finances to where you say, man, 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 I remember a time in my life, hallelujah, to where my one hour's pay. Are y'all getting this? Or my one week's pay was equivalent to one hour's pay. Is anybody here that can believe for that? Amen. Anybody remember that? I, I, man, I remember driving a certain kind of way. I, I'm trying to help some people in the room today. I remember thinking a certain kind of way. I remember living at a certain standard in my life. And wasn't nothing wrong with it. Thank God for oodles and noodles. Has its place, but don't hang your hat there. Oh, I'm elevating you now. Amen. Don't hang your hat, amen, on the freezer burnt hot dog at the back of the freezer, amen, because you ran out of food and you got to make ends meet, amen. Telephone disconnect, waiting on the next paycheck. Tell you what you ought to do. Tell you what you ought to do. Baby, need a pair of shoes. Well, now you come into the kingdom, your telephone going to stay on. I wish I had some help. And when the baby need a pair of shoes, oh, come on, somebody, you're just going to go buy 10 of them. That's a load of barred mentality. Some of you need to turn some of those songs off. Amen. All of that feed on. Well, but yeah, but didn't he work it out? Right. He worked it out so you could get a revelation of the kingdom of God. So that from now on, you could speak from within and work it out yourself. You could, Job 23 and 28, decree a thing and know that it will be established. All I'm trying to preach is I don't have to stay small. I can become big in God. Somebody shout hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I can get a greater anointing. I can get greater finances. I can get a better life. Somebody shout hallelujah about that. I can come out of Nazareth. Oh, that's so good. Go to Luke 4. Amen. Is this okay this morning? Luke 4 and 14. I'm just doing a little expository preaching. I won't be long. Luke 4 and 14. Give you a second to get there. Amen. Though your beginning was small, mm -hmm. your latter end, the Bible says, would increase abundantly. You would also be able to say in your time, your latter end will increase abundantly. Are we doing okay this morning? What's the subject? Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody say you're looking for the wrong man. And in Luke 4 and 14, Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Now, here he is. Jesus is coming into his fame. He's winning. He's knocking them down. Amen. And news about him spreads through the whole countryside. And this is where it gets rich. He was teaching in their synagogues. What synagogues? Their synagogues. The synagogues of everybody outside of Nazareth. How many of you know the people who knew you then ain't going to accept you for who you are now? The folk on the outside will appreciate your ministry and appreciate you more than the people that you grew up with eating Cheerios with. Somebody say amen to that. He's teaching in everybody else's synagogue, not where he's from, not Nazareth, and those people are praising him. <laughs> but this aligns with my message, Mom. And he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went in the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up, to read, and I finally understood this as I studied it out, to some old friends who knew him when. He stood up to read to folk who associated him with the city that he was back in. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to work through this, but, but stay with me. You know, uh, even those of us who, who minister and preach the gospel, amen, very seldom, I don't know about others, but very seldom do I see myself preaching back in my own hometown. Amen. And it's not necessarily because they wouldn't receive me, but uh, in so many cases, they still remember a six and eight-year-old Gabe. But see, since six and eight-year-old Gabe, I've become a man of God. Amen. I, I'm not that guy anymore. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And I, I'm not the one you used to know back then. In fact, I got some anointing that if you listen to me, I know you used to be my Sunday school teacher, but I can lay my hands on you and get you filled with the Holy Ghost if you'll open up and listen to what a man of God has to say. Amen. amen. But when I go other places, man, hallelujah, in other spaces, amen, I know that in many cases, and this is insight, amen, the anointing increases. And not because the anointing wasn't already on me, but the people that I preach to sometime in my own hometown, come on KCC, have gotten too used to the bread of life and no longer value it on the level by which they should. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And that was the same case with Jesus. He goes back to his own hometown and uh, he reads, amen, basically the foundation of the gospel to the teachers in that city. And he says in verse number 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. <laughs> what are you trying to do, Jesus? Help you all to know who I am now. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. Now, notice the rhetoric in here because he's back at Nazareth. Verse number 21, and he began uh, by saying to them, today is the scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the answer. Amen. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But watch this. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. Where is he preaching, y'all? He's back in Nazareth now. Amen. And so now familiarity kicks in. Amen. I'm afraid even that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this hour, the church of God, has gotten too familiar with Jesus. Amen. Some of our churches, I pray it's never the case here, they gather on Sunday morning like you're doing God a favor. Let me go ahead and offend somebody real early. I'm glad you came to church on Easter as you know it, but y'all, we worship every Sunday. We, we be, we're, we're here every Sunday. Amen. And, and so that mentality of let me go and honor God today as if you don't honor him next week this time is not going to get you in the rapture. I thought I'd point that out. That mentality that I will be a CME Christian, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Amen. I'll show up on those days because, I, you know, mama wanted me to come all this time. Well, mama end up in heaven and your bus hell wide open. I'm not frowning, I'm smiling. Amen, I'm frowning, I'm smiling. Amen, you'll be the one in trouble. Amen, we act as if we're doing God a favor. Amen, you didn't do something for God when you showed up today. Amen, if you're like me, I know that I need church. Amen, I need the gospel. I need the power of God. 
In him I live, move, and have my being. Without him I can do nothing. Somebody shout hallelujah if you agree with the gospel message. I'm mighty afraid we dumbed this thing down just to fill our sanctuaries up. We dumbed it down just to get a few more of this and a few more of that instead of preaching people out of their sins. And if this is the only Sunday that I'll get you this year, let me remind you that if you don't turn things around real quick, there's a strong chance that the rapture is going to happen and you're going to be left behind. You're going to be here wondering what happened. You better come out of your arrogance right now and get back with God today. The gospel preacher has gotten too soft. It's gotten too weak now. It's gotten too much in a place where we don't even want to make eye contact with people, but I do. Amen. I want you to be known, amen, that there's going to be one coming greater than me, that you're going to look at him eye to eye, and you're going to hear him say one or two things, amen, either well done, enter into the joy of the Lord, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. You better mend your heart, you better rend your heart, then mend your ways, and run back to the cross of Calvary and get back with him today. And stop acting like you did something for God. Because you came on Easter Sunday. Amen. You don't want to come back? We'll see you. Amen. But I'm still going to preach this gospel. Amen. They said now, amen, isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And Jesus said to them, surely you're going to quote this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here, now watch this, y'all, in your hometown. What we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Take those same miracles, opening up blinded eyes and, and healing withered hands and, and all these other things that you would have either already done or will do that you did in other cities. And Jesus, do those same things in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted where, class? In Nazareth. Now, what was on the cross? Jesus of Now, So even when he went to the cross, they tried to diminish him down to his past of who he used to be instead of recognizing his power of who he now is. By the time he went to Nazareth, amen, he already met the widow of Nain and brought her son back to life. Somebody shout hallelujah. By the time he went to Calvary, I should say, he already met the man with the withered hand. Are y'all in here? By the time he went to Calvary, he had already turned water into wine. By the time he went to Calvary, somebody shout hallelujah, he had already raised Lazarus from the dead. No, I'm not Jesus of Nazareth. I'm Jesus of great power. I'm not Jesus of who you think I am. I'm Jesus of who God says I am. And this is my son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him somebody say I'm greater than who I used to be and if Jesus knew he was greater than he used to be how many y'all know you ought to know that you're greater than who you used to be oh let me inspire you how many you know that you're more anointed this year than you were in 2019 how many you know you got more power now than you had when you were 16 you ought to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world somebody shout glory in the house of God they said, isn't this Joseph's son? He said, no, 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 no. I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. He said, watch this. 
I can minister to other people. People don't understand the context of what he's about to say, but let me teach it to you. He said, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. In other words, people from his own space, of Israel, that is, that could have benefited from Elijah's ministry. When the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, he said there were many people from our stock who could have been ministered to by Elijah. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. But God had to bless somebody from outside the family of God. God, Elijah wasn't sent to those people because those people didn't honor and value what he had to offer. So God had to use Elijah in the life of pagans, in the life of the widow of Zarephath, of the region of Sidon. She's not even in the family of God, amen, but because there was no honor for him amongst that crew, amen, amongst the Israelites, Jewish Amen. Arrogance. God used him to minister to people on the outside. Are y'all still in here? And there were many, where y'all, in Israel that had leprosy. How many y'all know everybody sick don't get healed? Uh-oh, we going somewhere now. Somebody say familiarity is the problem. See, my God slowing me down on that point right there. Oh, I knew you win. I knew him win. I knew Jesus win. Oh, I can go to church whenever I get ready. Oh, Pastor Gabe, I knew him win. I knew him back then. I knew him win. Oh, first lady, I put diapers. Oh, I knew them win. Oh, okay. So here we see it. Many in Israel, amen, had leprosy. You knew us win, yet we don't have leprosy. <laughs> we coming somewhere. Hallelujah. You from Raleigh and you struggled to join the church, yet we don't have leprosy and you broke. Help us, Pastor Rogers. Woo, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I don't know the pastor don't have leprosy. Amen. What I'm trying to help you through, I've already been helped through. Are y'all getting this revelation? Same thing with Jesus. When he's back in his own hotel. The stuff he was trying to get to people, y'all, Jesus didn't have no sickness or disease. Jesus wasn't boxed up. Jesus wasn't pent up. Are y'all getting this? There were many in Israel with leprosy in that time, and Elijah the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed. Only somebody outside of the family of God. Widow, outside of the family of God, and Naaman the Syrian, where was he outside of? family of God. Y'all, in fact, Jewish arrogance, if you read the book of Romans, understand that God blessed other people to provoke his own people to jealousy. He wanted to do some stuff with his own people, but because they would not honor him, he had to go outside of the family. Reggie, am I doing okay this morning? Amen. Go outside. And I don't know about you, but when God starts blessing, I don't want him to ever have to go outside of the family. That's why in praise and worship, I stand up. Amen. I lift my hands. I bless him. I thank him. I appreciate him. I don't act like showing up is in his favor. Showing up is in. Oh, come on, Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to get you resurrected in a second. If you're in here, you know that if it had not been for the Lord on your side, hop up on your feet and give him a praise like you know. Oh, hallelujah. I'd be lost. I'd be dead. 
And I'm not teaching a seeker-friendly message this morning. You may be seated, please. I'm preaching, amen, authentic and genuine Christianity. When most of us came out of our sins, we were rugged. We were a mess. Amen. We didn't even have our minds right. We didn't even know if anybody still loved us. We were still trying to figure out if life was worth living. But then the power of God hit us, and we can never forget how good it was and how good it is to be in the family of God. Oh, come on, take your seat. Over here at KCC, I preach a sustainable gospel. Amen. I'm not a fad pastor. In 40 to 50 years, I'll still be preaching this sustainable gospel. Amen. I'm not going to tell you God's going to bless you, amen, when you're shacking. I'm just not going to tell you that. I'm I'm not going to tell you that God's going to come through for you, amen, when you don't know how to come through for him. There's a such thing, amen, as Christian development. And a lot of us are what I call crisis Christians. Amen. Amen. We will come to Bible study once we have a need from God. But I'm talking to some folk in here that are not fair-weathered Christians. You are going to be aligned in your relationship with God if it costs you your life you're going to love God on both sides of the flood you're going to love him when you're going through and you're going to love him when you're coming out you're going to love him when you're up and you'll love him when you're down you are not a fair weather Christian lift your hand and shout glory in the house we got to get out of familiarity take your seat too familiar with Jesus and that's why there aren't more healings that's why there are not more deliverances Amen. The lady that got healed of blindness in the service a few weeks ago, she got healed because she didn't have time to become familiar. <laughs> that's the revelation. That's why she got healed. That's why, that's why breakthrough happened. Because there was no space, amen, to try to dumb down, amen, what we're doing over here. Are y'all in here? I am preaching Resurrection Sunday. Stay with me. Amen. I might shout at the end and tell you he got up, but right now you need to get up. Amen. And you need to get up off of that stinking thinking, amen, and taking the word of God as if it is with a grain of salt. This is not compatible with the secret. This is not compatible with any other book that you have read. His word is spirit and it is life. Any one verse in this Bible has the potential to revolutionize and change the rest of my life if I rightly discern the body. If I rightly discern the word of God, I can see in one day. If I rightly discern the word of God, I can walk in one day. Somebody say amen. Amen. I don't want to be familiar with Jesus. Say, cool, am I doing okay? Yeah, it was Naaman the Syrian that got healed from leprosy. Look at verse number 28. Y'all still here on Resurrection Sunday? And all the people in Nazareth were what class? What were they, y'all? Like some of y'all? Furious. Furious. Furious when they heard this. Why you mad? Amen. We trying to get you blessed. Amen. They were so mad they got up and drove them out of town took them to the brow of the hill which the town was built, and they wanted to throw Jesus off the cliff. Do y'all see that? But how many of y'all know Jesus is supernatural? Now, can I ask you a question? How do they want to kill Jesus, and yet Jesus walks right through the mob? Now, look at verse number 30. They want to throw him off. He is the target of the attack. Yet the Bible said that the anointing came on him in such a way that when they were trying to kill him, amen, God doled all the people's senses. They couldn't see him or get to him. He literally didn't walk around the crowd. He walked right through. Y'all ain't saying nothing. 
He didn't run away from the devil. He like Pastor Rogers. He walked right through the enemy and his tactics. He walked right through witchcraft. He walked right through resistance. He walked right through the crowd. And what did he do? Went his way. Somebody say amen to that. Walked right through the crowd. People are too familiar with Jesus. Even in today's church, how many of y'all know people are too familiar with Jesus? And it becomes a time to where that familiarity can get you in some big trouble. I just feel like my heart is just keeps on pouring out in these warning messages a little bit. We might rejoice, but I'm telling you this morning, y'all, this is not a play-play religion. This is not something to where you are promised to be here on Resurrection Sunday 2024. You are not promised to be here in three years. You, you, some of you in this room or watching me online, you might not know, amen, that by next month, this date, your very soul could be required of you. We assume that we're going to wake up the next day. Do you know in America, amen, every minute two people leave, every 30 seconds somebody dies? Are you all listening to that? So what, 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 what gives when people think they can fall out with God? Stay home, amen, 51 Sundays a year. Show up for one token Sunday to make their wife or or spouse happy or their daughter happy or somebody happy. And all of a sudden, God's supposed to do hula hoops for you and and jump rope uh, jumping for you and get get very excited because you decided that you're going to make Jesus your choice for an hour. If I was a rookie preacher, I would just tell you he got up, but I'm too seasoned for that. Amen. You better come on out. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but it's time to come on out. Amen. Y'all, the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Y'all, it's time to come out of who we used to be, what we used to do. The jig is up. Time is up. Amen. I am not promised another day. I'm not promised another minute. I need to be careful with my soul. This is so good this morning. So I want to give you three points, amen, that's going to help you get resurrected. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Amen. Because he was in his own town, and these three themes show up. Everybody say, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. There are three things, amen, that you got to get freed from. Let me inspire you a little bit, amen, if you're going to be resurrected. Three things that need to occur if you're going to be resurrected just like Jesus. Number one, you need to be freed from your hometown identity. Freed from it. Amen. You need to be freed from your hometown identity. For some of you in the room, you need to be freed from your college identity. Amen. Stop, stop uh, for, for a season going amen to homecoming. <laughs> amen. And I say for a season, but how about forever? Amen. Would that be even better? I mean, for real, at what point do you say to yourself, it's not good for me to run back into the people that I used to sleep with? That's powerful, ain't it? I heard a while on the front row. That, that, that blessed some people. Yeah, that's powerful. At what point do we just say, you know what, I don't need that anymore? Are y'all in here? Amen. So, oh, I'm getting ready for family reunion this year. Why? Amen. So that as soon as you walk through the door, amen, uh, mobile numb going to say, girl, you done put on some weight and ruin the next six years of your life. <laughs> Demean you and bring you back to, ooh, I remember, ooh, you was somebody bad. But I ain't bad no more. That's your hometown identity. Are y'all getting this? 
And if you're going to be resurrected, how I mean, you know you got to be free from that? And you might have to lay off of some people for a season. You might have to lay off some people for life. Amen. If they're not doing what you're doing, what are they for? Amen. Why are they here? Why do I need to come mingle with you that by the time I get through interplaying with you, I'm so toxified, amen, with all kinds of thoughts and ideas about my body image, about who I used to be, about what I used to do. Ain't no sense of me coming around y'all because y'all won't let me be anointed. I don't want to be from Nazareth anymore. I'm ready to be in Capernaum. This is good teaching, ain't it, Mel? I'm ready to go to another level. Amen. I'm ready to live at another standard. And so if I'm going to do that, everybody's not going to graduate. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Teach Pastor Rogers. Oh, man. 1 Corinthians 13, 10 says, but when that which is perfect has come. Amen. When you've been perfected. Amen. You could say, when I've been, been matured, when, when that which has perfect or completeness has come, amen, then that which is in part will be done away. And I know the real translation of that verse, but the principle bodes true because when you are made whole and when you are made better, the next verse really lines up the way you ought to be thinking. When that which, amen, has, amen, been in part, uh, 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 has been done away, then my mindset ought to be when I was a child, what did I do, class? I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, what was your next step? I put away childish things, man. I don't want to be. How many times did you see Jesus go back to Nazareth in his ministry? <laughs> no, he set up shop in Capernaum. I'm in, I'm in a new place now. Somebody say amen. I'm in a new city now. Somebody say amen. Amen. I know of a pastor, he, he's a tremendous singer, and, uh, uh, you know, he would go and sing places, not any one of the ones you know, but uh, uh, as soon as they come to the door, uh, while he's walking down the aisle, people would be putting in their requests. And uh, he wanted them to understand, I'm not a singer anymore. <laughs> now, I might sing, but I'm a preacher now. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, I've grown up now. So if you're going to be resurrected, you got to be freed from your hometown identity. And guys, I know this is anointed because some of you in this room, your hometown identity is so demeaning. It is so about you, am I doing okay, not being able to be a grown woman now. It's so about you still being, and they even got a neat name for you. You know, you come into town, they say, look at Chopper. You be like, hey, hey, y'all, auntie, they don't call me Chopper in Charlotte. Right, but you're going to be Chopper to me. You know why we call you Chopper, right? Because you used to do all that farting. You still farting like that? I know I'm teaching right this morning. So demeaning. So associating you with some area or space in your life. Oh, you still got that problem. What problem? You're grown now, and you're 48, and they're still associating you. Won't let you graduate. Can I do a little teaching first? Won't let you come out of who you once were, and as a result, they can't be blessed by your ministry. But somebody say, I'm not a child anymore. <clears throat> Number two is one of my favorite. Amen. You've got to be freed from your sinful identity. 
And I love it over in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Can we let the Bible preach for a little bit? You all know it by heart, but we stop reading too fast, first lady, because the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have done what? Passed away, and behold, how many things about you? How many things about your image? How many things about your future? All things have become new. And we stop there, and it short circuits the revelation of 1 Corinthians 17 and, 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 and 17 and 18. Look at 18, Dave. Bible says, now, as a result of everything becoming new, now all things about you are of God. <laughs> Karina, now everything about you is of God. You're not a college student, Karina. You're a pretty woman of God, full of faith, anointed, married to a man of God, Karina. You're Sister Harper now. Does it change the name or what? Amen. All things are of God. You start in obscurity, unmarried, don't have money, don't have this, don't have that. Maybe you got a vice on your life, but you stay with God. He first changes your nature, but then he changes your surroundings. And everything about your surrounding becomes of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, you used to be in a studio apartment where your bedroom was your kitchen. Oh, I wish I had some help in the room. But you got born again and you learned kingdom financial principles and you became a part of the 50 to the finish line. And, and pretty soon you moved into an island in your kitchen and... Because now everything around you is. Oh, you used to say Blue Mondays and Hump Wednesday, but then God blessed your socks off and you got your own business. Now every day is Sunday, and you go in when you get ready and get off when you're done. And all things are. Guys, I'm not boasting in Gabe Rogers, but I promise you, you talk about John 10.10. 10. Oh, hallelujah, first lady, I live that life right now. Oh, my God, the, the Amplified Bible says life to the full till it overflows. Because when I made Jesus my choice and I sold out to him and I left everything that he told me to leave and I decided I wouldn't try to be chummy chummy with everybody. And even in preaching, I, I wouldn't lay KCC up with organizations that are carnal. I, I just wouldn't do that stuff down through the years just so that somebody could make me this or the head honcho of that or the regional this or the regional that just so they could get another check from me. When I decided I wasn't going to be one of those kind of pastors, amen, I just noticed, amen, that everything around me became of God. Amen. When I celebrate now, I celebrate with friends. And you know what? Is this good, Nicole? My friends are of God. <laughs> amen. When I tell people about my victories, they're happy. They don't have what I call the momentary frown. You know them people that's faking it? You tell them, yeah, I got my new car. You, oh, you did? All right. They don't have the momentary frown because I got the people who was not of God out of my life. Now when I get a new car, everybody says, man, where is it? Can I ride in it with you? Because guess what? Now all things 
Y'all going to catch up with this? See, when you get born again, Gabby, when we get delivered and set free and we give our heart to the Lord and we walk out and we come out from among them and we're separate and holy, God does not allow you to do that stuff without benefits and incentives. That's why Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord and forget not his benefit. Man, when you left your boyfriend, you got God. Amen. I'm not talking about a new man yet. I'm saying you got God. You got the power of God on your life. Stuff starts working. You start taking piercings out. Now God is just moving. Now you can discern God. Now you can think clearly. Now that moves to a man of God, and that moves to a new home, and that moves to the favor of God because now all things are. Somebody say, I'm coming out of Nazareth. Y'all, I don't even want to pastor a church that's stuck in Nazareth. All that traditional stuff, amen, no, no growth, no change, no progress. How many of y'all know we need to be freed from our sinful identity? But then my favorite point of the day, and we can ready to get out of here, man. I'm going to take me a swig of this tea. Amen. My mother-in-law made it so well. Amen. And uh, before I get out of here, man, the third and final point on Resurrection Sunday is you've got to be freed from your limited identity. Mm-hmm. You got to be freed from it. Y'all, look at all three of them. So first of all, hometown identity. In other words, there are people I need to be delivered from. Jesus put some people out. Got ready to get a girl up from the dead. He put them all out. All right? He goes to Nazareth. He teaches, and he closed the book. First lady, I wonder why he just closed the book. Because those people didn't pull any revelation out of them. No need to keep teaching. They familiar anyway. They mad. They frustrated. Y'all getting this? When Pastor Cassie was here, he talked about preaching at a church somewhere where the people were so difficult and hard and all that kind of good stuff. And at a point, he just decided he would just stop. You When the Bible preacher gets up, amen. How many of y'all know you ought to be pulling and saying, give me more. He is this much closer to my deliverance, this much closer to my victory. I want it all. But when Jesus got up, the Bible says he only read, and what did he do next? He closed the book. And he said, today is fulfilled in your heart. Now you figure out the rest. Because I'm trying to convince you how to be blessed, and you're looking back at me with a frown. (laughs) Somebody say amen to that. I got to be freed because, y'all, all it is is a mentality. Your hometown identity, that's a mentality. Then you got to be free from your sinful identity. The folk you used to sin with or was the brother or sister of the person you used to sin with. Whatever the case may be. Yo, I mean no harm when I say this, but amen. Throw all of those people's numbers out of your cell phone. Do a clean wash. Do a fresh start. Then block your number. It's quiet. And be 100% freed from your sinful identity. If the ABC store still bothers you when you travel home, go home another way if it costs you 20 more minutes. Just to be free from your what identity? Your sinful identity. I hope this is helping somebody, but it sure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. But then number three, you got to be freed from your limited identity. Y'all, look at what Jesus did in three years. Look at how many lives he touched. Look at how many places he went. Look at how many people got healed delivered and set free and it was all because after he was baptized and the father said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased holy spirit descends like a dove 
hears a voice from heaven. After that affirmation, Jesus no longer limited what the power of God could do in his life. And we know it best through Philippians 4 and 13. This is so good. It says, it, well, it says, I can do how many things? How many things can I get done, y'all? All things through who, though? Christ that strengthens me. Amen. I'm no longer limited by my Nazareth identity. Jesus of Nazareth. I'm no longer limited by who I used to be. I'm no longer limited by who I used to hang out with. But then I'm no longer going to be limited, and everybody say, that's a choice. I'm no longer going to be limited by a limited mentality. Y'all, if you like Pastor Rogers, I'm not dumbing myself down ever again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that stuff. Because that limits. Are y'all getting this? Limits who I am and what I have to offer. I got that Jesus anointing on me. When Jesus called the 12 boys, how many of them did he circle back to? Goose said. If James and John didn't want to come, how many of y'all know there, there would have been Mike and Bobby? <laughs> he said, whatever. You, you coming, Andrew? <laughs> Up to you. And listen to how he talked emphatically to them. Drop your nets. I mean, and none of these men said, man, who are you talking to? Jesus told him, he said, no, drop your nets. In other words, I'm the bread of life. Peter had it right. He said, where are we going to go? You got the word. You got, you, got, you got the revelation. I'm not getting ready to butcher my life. So no, 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 no. Never again on any level does a man, a pastor, or any man, a woman of God of these magnitudes like Jesus have to water down and dumb down the things of God to accommodate people who don't want God. I wish I had some help. And Jesus didn't do it. He was freed from a limited identity. But why? He only let dreamers be around him. There were only a certain caliber of men who could run with Jesus. I want you to see how strong Jesus was. Don't turn there, but over in Mark 10, I'm just going off of memory, not even in my notes. But Seku, when he met the rich young ruler, think about this. The rich young ruler was loaded. The rich young ruler had, had, had clout. The rich young ruler could have funded the rest of Jesus' ministry. Right. Yet when Jesus meets the young man, he said, man, you've done well in life, but you're still lacking something. He didn't say, join my church and become a tither. He said, nah, you don't got your stuff together yet. <laughs> Sell everything you have and then come follow me. I wish I had some help in here. But pastor, I can sing. Why don't you put me on the praise team? Yeah, you can sing, but you got to stop adultery first. Though. And then you got to be delivered from adultery. Then I'm still going to let you go another two years to make sure your eyes aren't cloudy. And that you're not cloudy with meatballs. Amen. Then we're going to put you on the praise team. And then if you go crazy again, even though you can sing, we're going to take you back off because we love your soul more than we love your gifting, and we're not going to misuse or abuse you just because you can sing. Sell everything you have and come follow me. That's the revelation of Christianity. That's the revelation of being a believer in Jesus. That you are 100% sold out to his precepts, 100% sold out to his truths, 100% sold out to his instructions in your life. And I'm telling you something that's going to help every church in America if you'll listen to this. 
One of the reasons why so many people sit in churches like this, for example, and get offended on a Sunday morning is because in so many cases, the whole tenor or pedigree of preaching has been watered down. Y'all, it ain't that we saying something harsh. It's that they ain't saying nothing. That's it. We're not saying nothing harsh. You mean all we said is don't kiss somebody else's wife? Did he, why he had to go there, though? I want y'all to think about some of the stupid stuff that got in the body of Christ. And would rather go listen to a bishop cuss, and then you over there talking about, oh, he deep. Ooh, ooh. Oh, he deep. Ooh, that's deep. Now, he done dropped the four-letter word, and that don't offend you. The rated R movie, come on, don't offend you. But you come in here and hear some purity, and you throw it off. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder what really happened to the church in America. Wonder what really went on in the church in America. Amen. Amen. So offended, so turned down. Oh, he told me to stand up. I can't believe he told me to do that. What should you be doing at church? He ain't had to deal with that lady like that. You didn't have to come. Turn your nose up at me. But y'all, people want to come and burp on your stuff. Because their life is a big burp. But how many of y'all know you can't burp on my stuff? Amen. I was glad when they said unto me. I don't have no help on that. Let us go into the Because after all, when I got to the house of God, I got delivered. When I got to the house of God, I got rich. When I got to the house of God, my marriage got healed. Somebody say, my life got better. What are you teaching today? valuing Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He's not Jesus of Nazareth anymore. He's Jesus, the son of the living God. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Don't put that stuff on my cross. Don't, don't try to associate me with something that's beneath me. Even the Jews are going to have to bow to me. Nazareth is going to bow to me. Capernaum's going to bow to me. And yes, Charlotte, North Carolina is going to bow to me too because I am the king of of kings and I am the Lord of lords ain't nobody God but Jehovah and Jesus is Lord somebody shout hallelujah I wish I had some help in church today oh I feel like I got a demon on the run help me praise him right out of this place somebody give God great glory if you know the gospel of Jesus Christ is right oh hallelujah Take your seat, please. You got to be free from limited identity. Associating with stuff that don't make no sense, and you're a Christian. People can talk about any old thing around you at work, and they don't have to change it. Amen. I told a uh, uh, barber one time, amen. Yeah, no, I don't sit in no barbershop and listen to a bunch of cussing. If you can't honor me enough to turn your barbershop down when I'm in there, there are other people that cut here. And I pay good money for my, my, my haircuts. Amen. <laughs> Somebody else will take that. He too, he too. No. No, I got something called dignity. Amen. My sons are sitting right there. 
What if my wife brings them here? And, and, and loose lips Leary over there talking about what he did on Friday night. People got to have no dignity now, no, no sense of, no, you can't treat me like that. Oh, I'm getting big trouble right here. Amen. There you go. You a woman of God and anointed, and some homosexual dude do your hair. But you got the power of God on the inside. But they are gifted. He just, he just know what he's doing. Right. Have you ever stopped long enough? Let him do your hair. Have you ever turned around and said, hey, bro, are you going to heaven, though? Have you ever said, hey, man, I'm not, yo, I'm not scrutinizing homosexuals today. Just stay with me. Have you ever said, hey, man, listen, do you understand that homosexual is an abomination? Have you ever had that conversation with him? Because maybe if you had that conversation with him, he won't be a homosexual anymore. But because you don't have the courage of your convictions and you really don't believe this Bible when it says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You religiously come to church because that's what you did when you were six. But you don't believe that Jesus changed homosexuals. If you did, you would talk to your homosexual hairdresser and you would say, you know, God loves you. He wants to save you. Have you ever thought about the fact that, amen, those who are effeminate, amen, will not make it into the kingdom of God? But we don't have those conversations because, y'all, and I'm going to tell you, this is going to be the batch that's going to miss the rapture. We, not we, you don't believe it. Boy, it's a tough one today, God. You don't believe it. You who show up on Easter to kick the tires because your, your loved ones say, will you come with me today? You don't believe this. Why don't you just be honest with them this morning and say, you know, baby, you go ahead. When I go, I don't want to be a hypocrite. When I go, I want to be right. And I ain't right right now. And, you know, I don't really agree with what he preached. No way. Yo, I still got my, you know, I didn't lose my buoyancy. Told you I'm a man of God. I'm not moved by it. You do whatever you want after today. You all right, never come back. We love you. Amen. We'll see you. Amen. Hope you make it. I didn't tell you you would go to hell either. You might find another church that'll help you make it. Maybe over there where they tell you you could do whatever you want to do, lie, steal, and cheat. Maybe that's how you're going to make it in the rapture. But that's not the Bible I read. And we got to get revival back in the church. We got to get the power of God back in the church. We got to get people out of this familiarity with the Jesus of Nazareth. He is not just the Jesus of Nazareth. He's from Nazareth. And you can quote Jesus of Nazareth, but he is Jesus, the son of the living God. And you and I, if we get born again, aren't you glad that so now are we sons? Amen. We're no longer servants, but we've been bought into the family of God. I'm getting ready to close this thing out. If I hadn't made you too mad, somebody shout hallelujah in the house of God. You got to be freed from your hometown identity. You got to be freed from your limited identity. You got to be freed from your sinful identity. And now we land with the text. Because not only was he Jesus of Nazareth on the cross, but uh, as we cross-sectionalize this and close this message out, <clears throat> you will note over in Mark chapter 16 we see something emerging, and, th and this is where the victory is, amen. I, I, I wanted to preach the sin out of you, but now let me preach you out of the gutter and help you to understand, amen, that you can align with Jesus and your life will never be the same. Over in Mark chapter 16, verse 5 through 6, the Bible says it so well, Melvin. It says, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed 
in a long white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. These folk come in to tend to the body of Jesus and they saw an angel, amen, that was sitting and the people were alarmed. And in verse number six, he said to them, this is where it gets real good, Sister Rogers, do not be alarmed. And I don't know who I'm ministering to today, amen, who has a past, or maybe you got something in your life that wasn't quite the way you wanted it to be. You were misused, mishandled, amen, had something to happen in your life, amen, that should not have happened. I'm so glad that because of the cross, you no longer have to be alarmed. The Bible says that he said to them, do not be alarmed. Why? You seek Jesus of Nazareth. Who was they looking for, class? Oh, we going somewhere. I'm getting out of here. Amen. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, but happy Resurrection Sunday. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. But this is the part that the church ought to get excited about. He was crucified, Brian, but I'm so glad that he is risen. <laughs> Amen. Not only is he risen, but he's not here anymore. In other words, the same place that you knew him by. I bet this is blessing somebody. Amen. That Nazarene, that Nazareth Jesus that you knew him as, he's not there anymore. And you ought to get inspired right there if you have a past and look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm not there anymore. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not where I, where I used to be. I, <laughs> I'm getting out of here on Easter Sunday. I'm not who I used to be. I, I, I don't do what I used to do. You should not be alarmed. I, I know I don't look the same way I used to look. You are looking for Gabriel of Middletown, Connecticut. That Gabriel was crucified. You're, you're looking for Gabriel of Johnson C. Smith University. But that Gabriel was crucified. Amen. You're looking for that Gabriel pre-marriage. Amen. That Gabriel was crucified. And today you say he's not here. But he is risen. Well, this is resurrection, son. All we need to do now is look at the place where they laid him. In other words, it used to be occupied by his body. But I'm so glad after three days, he got up with all power in his hands. I had to sin earlier in the message. But now I'm going to preach you up in hope. It's time to be in Christ. He is a new creature. You seek the Seku of the Bronx, New York. But he is not here. He was crucified. You see the David from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but he's not here. He was crucified. You see the Melvin of Ohio, but he's not here. He was crucified. You see the smoking, drinking, black and miles, lying, stealing, poor hungry woman that you know, but she's not here. Was crucified. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I want to be. But I'm so glad that I'm not who I used to be. I'm not a self glory in the house of God. If you are a new creature in here, you ought not wait until we get to the next stand. 
us just a few short days ago. There's somebody in the room just last night. But I'm so glad that to the utmost, Jesus said, I'm so glad that he'll pick you up and he'll turn you around. He'll place your feet on a solid ground. You seek the Jesus of Nazareth, but he was crucified. And I'm so glad that he got up with all power. You can take my past all you need to. I'm glad that my past becomes your present. I said my past becomes your present. When the blood of Jesus intervenes, when the blood of Jesus makes me clean, I can walk out of my old man and I can step into my future. And I'm no longer limited by who I used to be and what I used to do. Fun by 
you're here and you know you've not done God a favor for coming to church today. But this is your Sunday to turn it around. Get back on track with Jesus. That's the first off call I'm calling for somebody that needs to be saved. Needs to give their heart to the Lord. I am convinced that there is a strong chance. I didn't say definite, because I don't prophesy, and no man knows the day nor the hour. But there's a strong chance that there'll be no Resurrection Sunday 2024. Because Jesus could come back any moment now. God bless you. There's somebody else in here, and you want to get your heart right with Jesus. Amen. Don't worry about the other stuff yet. We'll talk about your house, your car, your land, all 